Well, we're back like a rental, beers and buckets. We're so excited to be back. It's but it was an awesome week of uh, week one of college basketball, and I thought it was a good time. Uh, hey guys, how are you guys doing though? Let's let's hear from you guys. What do you think of college basketball this week? Um, I feel like beat it up like that rental you spoke of. Um, <laughs> I'm all in. I know this ain't a betting podcast, but I'm a betting man, and I took it on the shins quite a bit. But um, my team won. Some of the predictions I made somewhat panned out a little bit. Um, but other than that, ready to talk some more college basketball. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love getting to, getting to finally get back into the swing of college basketball. The NBA has been awesome this year so far. So getting to add some, some awesome college basketball games, some exciting games, uh, some already some big matchups that we got to see in week one. So overall, two thumbs up from me. Yeah, two thumbs up for me also. I think it was fun to watch, you know, those two games in the Garden were big. It was, you know, good to see the Garden packed with fans and celebrities all over the place and, you know, NBA stars watching college stars and all that and um, some good, um, you know, home atmospheres to watch out at uh, out on the uh, West Coast this week. So all in all, it was a good start to the college basketball season, I believe. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was fun. The garden was packed, like you said. And um, at first, I thought that Michigan State-Kansas game, I thought that was going to be like a snoozer. But it ended up looking not too bad. Like Michigan State's a little bit better than I expected them to look so far. Um, So I'm excited to see them grow the season. Kansas looks good. Ojai Abaji is, is a really good player. Like returning is just improving his stock tremendously for the NBA. So um, I'm excited to watch him play this season as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So we had some notable upsets this week. Starting with today, this is Sunday night. We saw Florida go and just, you know, beat up on Florida State. Like, it was a close game, and then about, like, nine minutes left in the second half. They just went on a run and didn't stop. What did you guys think about that game? Did you watch any of it? I, I didn't well, get to see much of it, but Florida, I saw outscored FSU by 18 in the second half, so – you know, it was kind of, you know, one of those physical battles, you know, how Florida State tries to play. They try to be real physical and get to the basket and draw fouls and create their own shot and everything. But, you know, Florida just kind of took it to them in the second half and controlled the game. And uh, so that's a good win, early season win for the SEC. Well, I, I will pat myself on the back. I did call that one. That was one of my upsets. Um, I, I don't know if you'd call it out on the limb. That is an insane Well done, sir. Early in the season, but you know, to build a little bit off, we talked last last week. I think that's just the story of what SEC basketball is. Is like Florida's going to lose a game in a couple weeks that you're just going to be like, what happened? But when they're playing ranked teams, when they're playing Kentucky, when they're playing a lot of good teams, they're going to give them they're going to give them hell. And I think that this is going to be something that's going to go in the good win category down at the end of the season. so I, I wasn't real surprised to see it. I just know it's going to be an up and down chaos for a lot of the SEC that we yeah. talked about. I'm just proud of Florida's basketball team for outscoring their football team this this weekend. <laughs> oh right. man, that was rough. That was rough. But I mean, by one, uh, yeah, by one. It was <laughs> they both got wins. Unlike unlike Texas, they both got wins. 
Let's see. Some other notable upsets was Navy. They upset Virginia, number 25 Virginia. UC Riverside upset Arizona yeah. State. Bobby Hurley's Arizona State. And that was off a crazy – it was a 70-foot shot is what they said it was. 70-foot buzzer beater to upset Arizona State, those Sun Devils. So yeah, uh, thoughts first... and prayers to those guys for sure. Yeah. So one, yeah. one question I do have for you guys. So I think due to transfer portal, due to rules that had made it easier for guards to score – we saw a lot of we've seen a lot of upsets historically or over the last decade um, in the tournament, right? It's very easy for a 15 seed to beat a two seed opposed to 20, 30 years ago. Are we going to see that flip as transfer portal both ways, um, things like that? You're going to start seeing teams like Texas, teams like Kentucky, even Ohio State, or just you know all the big name schools who might have a bunch of guys from transfer portal, but they've not played yet. So when they do play a early season test, it's going to look like some of the shocks that we're used to seeing late in the season because while there's a lot of big names on these players, kind of like it has been being a Kentucky fan. You know, early season in Kentucky fan when we're relying on a bunch of young guys, no game is a given. Mm-hmm. And I think all the universities are – a lot of the major universities are getting that now. So I think we might see a lot of uh, no names upset big names because while they might be number three, number 10, number 20 in the country – they've got a whole lot of new pieces because they've collected them from transfer portal, whether it's in or out. Um, do you guys think that's something we could see just as common as we see a 15 beating a two now? Absolutely. I think they even brought that up in the Kentucky Duke game. Um, one of the announcers brought it up. That's like, just because this is an experienced team doesn't mean that they have experience playing together. And I think that that is a huge uh, thing that you'll see, um, that's why, like, I think Duke won that game is because they added, what, two, three players. The rest of them, they've been playing together. You know, they play the last two or three seasons together. So there's already that established chemistry there. Meanwhile, all of, like, Kentucky's starting five are new players. So um, there is a huge difference in that compared to, like, last year. Yeah, just a quick note on that particular game. It was mentioned a lot last week that at the end of the game, Kentucky's best lineup was five transfers. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's something you're just going to see with a lot of a lot of these teams when you have these, you know, high-profile programs that guys are transferring to. You're going to see a lot of uh, interesting results early on. And then, you know, the thought is that those teams are just going to gel going forward after that. So, yeah, yeah just a, a little different than putting, you know, five freshmen on the court, like the 5-5 five five or something like that. But you got, you know – the transfer five on the court at the end of the game for Kentucky that was actually their best lineup. So yeah, I, for sure. I do feel like I do feel like ten years ago, and and it, we all are aware of this. If you have a team returning 25 percent of its productivity, you're like, oh, this team's going to struggle. Yeah. But now I feel like majority of teams are going to return twenty five percent of its own productivity. Now it may be a team where you have a hundred percent of guys who played college basketball last year. But for that own team, you know, it may only return two of the key eight guys and the rest are freshmen or transfer, which I do think, I I think early, I think it's going to flip the season. I think early season, we're going to see a lot of chaos. But when these teams like Texas and like like Kentucky jail, you're not going to see the upset in the Sweet 16 because we, we you know, every team's got five, six juniors and seniors that it just took them a little longer to jail. 
uh, it, it's basically like everybody in the country is in their own way is now doing some sort of one and done or yeah. be it, you know, freshman or be it done in one with a transfer guy. Before we move on, I just want to say Trevor Keels, if you're listening, Duke fans, if you're listening, we owe you a huge apology because no one saw that incredible we. performance coming. Yes, mm-hmm. we, yes, we, no <laughs> one saw that incredible performance coming. And I think I think we can all say that that was probably going to be one of his best college games ever. Uh, I think he's a one and done, but that's probably going to be his best display uh, at the college level. That I know that's Dal's opinion, right? I'm I'm not convinced he's a one and done, and I do think that's going to be, if not his best game of the year, I think it'll be one of the three best games he plays all right. year. Yeah. Props to him. Well, I agree too, because let's be honest. While we may all four have not expected him to perform like that. Only one person in this group said he's going to get waxed because he always gets waxed by Ty Ty Washington. Wax so is I not think, the word that I used. Wax I'm is not the word I used. But I, I do think there was an extra shift, an extra performance. The same oh, way we sure. all see it, no matter what your favorite team is, when the other guy comes in or when a local kid comes in or a guy you didn't recruit comes in, they play with that extra chip on your shoulder, their shoulder. So I don't know if that's going to be the best game of the season. I don't know what his future really holds. But I do think he had extra motivation because we're giving Connor a hard time, but he's mm-hmm. definitely not the only one that in the world that said, hey, Tata has cooked this kid you know, every year, every uh, summer circuit, ever this, ever yeah. that. I was he's definitely drinking the big blue Kool-Aid there. Um, the problem, were, was, the good, problem was, though, is that Kentucky was really high on Keels, and they, they made a late push for him. And then when they found out that they were getting tie-tie, they backed off. And so it's like, did they back off because they, you know, they thought they were going to get, you know, like that they knew Keels was done already locked to Duke or did they back off because they got tie tie or a little bit of both. And it was probably a little bit of both, but if you go back and watch the summer circuits, anything Iverson classic tie tie does outplay Keels. I think, I think coach K is just that good of a coach. Like I just really think it's the setup and not, and don't give me that face. And this is great podcasting by the way, but don't give me that face. <laughs> The uh, I was stretching. The uh, here's the thing is like, this is we're, are you saying he, Coach K? We're giving Coach K the credit for Keels having a great game. Are you saying he killed it? I think he killed it. No, I think Coach K set him up for success. I also think Coach Cal set him up for success. And I think you know, how many times did Kentucky go to his zone? Uh, zero, um, zero. And how many times did how zero. many shots did did Duke make from three? One, one, one. Exactly. So <laughs> when you have a team that shoot that has made one shot from three and they've made a killing in the paint or on slashing, you have to go to yeah. zone. I don't care what your defense looks like. If your zone defense, if you haven't practiced it, you at least have to attempt hey. it. We're moving on. I'm not saying it's all rigged, <laughs> but I don't think Cal brought his we A can... game. Beer review. Now we're talking. Time. Yeah, this is where the business happens. It's logger week, people. So we decided to try a logger. Uh, we just all got one that we've never had before, so it should be interesting. Who wants to lead us off in the beer review? Well, I'll start because I did not hear about the we never had before because I'm not real beer guy about the whole lager business. So let's uh, circle back around. First off, your boy was right. I drank that that piss in a can, that fermented orange juice from my back seat in college last week and said, hey, this reminds me of Texas. And boy, did it ever. I had no clue what to expect when we were going to watch Texas uh, two nights ago versus Gonzaga, or however you want to word it, whenever you're listening to this Saturday night when they played Gonzaga. I didn't know. Was Marcus Carr going to be a beast? 
Was Devin Askew going to be the greatest Texas player ever? Were we going to see all this? Were we going to see Drew Timmy, who 75% of us forgot to mention last week in our predictions, were we going to see him just fall off the face of the earth? We did not. We did not see any of that. And much like that, um, whatever the hell I drank last week, not only did I not know what I was going to get going in, I was highly disappointed with the final product, at least up until that point. Now, much like that beer, it's it's acceptable. And if I drink that beer every day, by March, I might enjoy that beer. And I think that's going to be Texas. If they keep doing what they do, by March, they might be an acceptable team. Once again, on to this week. I will apologize. My ADHD kicked in. <laughs> Didn't know we were talking about um, beer, lagers we'd never had. And once I went into the liquor store, I didn't know what was going on. And the guys behind the counter had this, like, uh, they'll skin me and wear me as a coat look. You know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I went with Kentucky Wildcats, my favorite team. The team that when you think college basketball, you think Kentucky. It's love to be hated, and teams hate that people hate to love it. It is good old-fashioned Bud Light. Cold beer. When you need one, you're going to throw it down. Some say it's overrated. Light. Huh? Who hates Bud Light? Oh, they hate it. There's hate. There's there's these bougie Beer snobs people hate Bud Light. That, exactly. Oh, yeah. oh, that's what that's are they? I, you know, there's a it's term consistent. for it. It's consistent. They, they call it something in a can. They call it like they call it something that reminds me of the word piss, but I don't think it's the word piss. But anyway, yes, it, 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 <laughs> much like Kentucky, Bud Light is the cool thing to hate. Much like Kentucky. Bud Light's the cool thing to love if you don't have a bunch of experience with beer. If you don't have a bunch of experience with college basketball, you want to jump on a team that's going to be, as my man Connor said, consistent, you go to Kentucky. And it's going to be the one that I have a love-hate relationship with. There have been mornings I've woke up and I say, that was just a little too much Kentucky last night. <laughs> and there's been times I've woke up and said, thank God for Kentucky last night. So – we're going to crack open this big blue nation of delicious foam can. And it hits mm. a little, got a little stone cold Steve Austin there. Much <laughs> like Kentucky. I can't take it all. Some of it, some of it happens to spill over, but uh, yeah, that's my beer of the week. I've played it safe. I went with my favorite team, big blue nation, big Bud Light. And I'm going to drink this really fast because the Golden State Warriors just lost. So there's that. It's only their second loss in the season, though, right? That's too, too many. Yeah, but without Clay, we'll see. I don't know. I love them, man. I can't get enough of Golden State. But all right, moving on. Bud Light, Anheuser Busch. Talk about the Warriors for the next two hours. (laughs) Anheuser Busch, Bud Light. If you uh, you described it as Kentucky basketball, and would you drink it again? I think the answer is yes. Yes, and it tastes like America. It tastes tastes like like winning. It tastes like eight national champions. I'll go next. Um, I got a beer that my dad actually had that he was he was raving about, but I haven't tried yet. It's the Sam Adams Seasonal Winter Log. There we go. Um, the tasting thing on it said that it is clementine-infused orange peel, cinnamon, and ginger. So I'm not really sure exactly what to expect here, but... Sounds pretty good. Clementine. That sounds pretty good. It's a little <laughs> bit lighter than I was expecting. It's definitely got a little bit of a fruity, fruity hint. It's a pretty good beer, honestly. Um, Sam Adams is pretty reliable. 
Um, I've never had a Sam Adams before, to be honest with you. The Boston Lager is good, and usually their seasonal stuff's pretty good. I think if I was going to compare it, I'm going to go not a team but a conference. Uh, since it's seasonal to just the winter, I'm going to go Big Ten basketball because it'll it'll be hyped up uh, all winter, and then by uh, by the springtime, it's going to fizzle out. Um, not going to be available <laughs> anymore. Uh, never so see it again. I'm going to go Big Ten basketball just as a whole. I dig it. I dig it. What you got, Kyle? Okay. Um, I'm going to go with, or this week, I'm going to go with um, La Bamba from Gravely Brewing Company. Um, I don't know if any of y'all, if y'all have heard of Gravely or not. It's a fairly new um, brewery in actually Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, cool. Louisville, Kentucky. Sorry. Um, It's down on Baxter Avenue. Um, kind of close to downtown area. If you've ever been to Louisville, you know that a lot of microbreweries, bars, restaurants, um, you know, back in the back in my day, back when I was a, a young buck, um, that's where the kind of the, some of the clubs were and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so they are on Baxter Avenue in Louisville. Um, started up five years ago. Um, I'm going to have La Bamba, their Mexican lager, which is – you know, basically their version of a Corona. Um, you know, I don't have, uh, it doesn't, they have, they're only canning right now. So they don't have the bottles, you know, where you can stuff a little lime wedge in there, um, mm-hmm. like you would a Corona. So I would recommend garnishing this with a, with a, uh, lime, obviously. Um, even before tasting it, I'm going to go ahead and recommend that, but let me crack it open and see what it tastes like. Oh, can we give it a 10 out of 10 on that pop? Man, that was a nice tag. Hey, I know how to oh. pop them, man. Oh, that, yep. that goes up there. A good pop goes up there with a good home run, a mm. good swish, or like when you're watching NFL films and they like slow down <laughs> the ball and he catches it, already catching the – yeah, just a beautiful sound. 10 out of 10 on the sound already. Yes, sir. This is good stuff. Um, very smooth. Um, you know, definitely tastes like a Corona. Tastes like a, a light – you know, summertime Mexican lager drinking beer. Um, you can put a dozen of these so back by the pool or by the beach, whatever you want to do. Um, it's 5.0% alcohol, so not bad for a um, a lager like this. IBUs are 15, so it's not very bitter at all. You know, very easy drinking. Uh, thirst quenching, light bodied, refreshing, ready for a lime wedge, upgrade from your boring import. So I guess they're just straight up attacking Corona right there with that. Yeah. Um, Dos Equis, all those. Yeah, Dos Equis. Don't get me me started on the Dos Equis down in Cancun. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, So, yeah, very nice. Um, A thing about Gravely, they actually partnered with uh, Taft's um, Brewing up here in Cincinnati um, for their canning and production. Um, so they're able to distribute to, I think, most Kroger's in the region um, and some other liquor stores, you know, like, uh, par- you know, the party stores and things like that. So it's not widely available. Um, but if you're in Louisville, Lexington, northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area, uh, you should you shouldn't have any problem finding it. Um, and it's called La Bamba. And that is what drew drew me to it, because when you mentioned Baxter Avenue in Louisville, uh, Bardstown Road um, turns into Baxter, and then right before that happens, there's a plate. There's a restaurant called La Bamba, 
Mexican restaurant. I don't know if any of you guys have been, but it's open till like four or five in the morning. So back in the old days on the weekend, um, me and my buddies would hit up this place for burritos as big as our heads. La Bamba is where you go after, you know, not out the bars. You just walk down the street, stumble, crawl, whatever you can do. Get in there, get a super chicken burrito with everything, extra sour cream, and guaranteed to have no hangover in the morning. Guaranteed cure. So that's my little that's my little old man tip uh, for anybody going out down in, uh, in Louisville on Baxter Avenue, Bardstown Road. Um, and then so to connect that with a college basketball team, there was a guy that worked in La Bamba called Fernando, our buddy, um, working back there. Every time we came in, you know, it'd be, it'd be, you know, Hey Fernando, what's up buddy. And you know, all that kind of stuff. And you know, you'd say, Hey, what's up guys. And all that. So, you know, we were like, we have the usual super chicken, extra sour cream with everything, you know, all that kind of stuff. So Fernando was our boy. All of a sudden we come in there one day, Fernando has gone. Where's Fernando? We go, where's Fernando? He said, I don't know. He's that, you know, went somewhere. I don't know where Fernando went. So when I think of Fernando, I think of the first thing that pops into my head is Fernando Valenzuela for whatever reason. So we're connecting that to the pitcher, Fernando. So we're taking, we're going out to LA. We're talking about burritos. It's all interconnected here, guys. Just go with me on this. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going with a team just outside LA uh, UC Santa Barbara Gauchos. All right. So I'm going to go with them. I think they had, they've had a couple nice little upsets lately. They're like, mm-hmm. some, you know, a, a newcomer. Um, they've been around a while. It's like, you know, kind of a SoCal cult following thing out there. If you ever used to listen to Jim Rome back in the days, he's, I think he either went there or whatever. He's a gaucho. And so that's just kind of what popped in my head when I had to connect this, uh, the beer, La Bamba, Fernando, Fernando Valenzuela, L.A. area, uh, <laughs> Santa Barbara, the Gauchos. So we're going with the Gauchos, guys. I dig it. Um, would you drink it again? Excuse me? Would you drink it again? Would I drink it again? Uh, absolutely. Awesome. And I've got five more in the refrigerator, so I will be drinking it again. Awesome. All right. Yes, so I am I am going with um, Hourglass Brewing, which um, they have two locations in – central florida one in longwood and one that was 10 minutes away from my house uh, my apartment when i lived in orlando for a little bit and so i went to the liquor store and i saw that it was hourglass brewing and so i decided to go with fest beer um this is what the can looks like um the can drew me instantly and then i saw lager and i'm like all right sold uh, but fest beer so it's a german style so i think i have my player comp before even drinking it but we shall see yeah, that's pretty good. I dig it. I dig it a lot. It's um, it's it's got a little spice to it. It's twenty three IBU, um, and it's six point three ABV. So, um, it's a little bit more than like your standard, you know, you know lager. I'd say it's a little bit more than like um a Yingling, but all in all, it's pretty good. I enjoy it. Um, the description on Untapped says it's spicy, herbal, clean, and toasty. This medium body German style lager beams like a blazing sunset so i mean i'm 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 down for it i'm definitely drink like it again blazing sunset yeah it's something different hourglass brewing is pretty awesome like i love that that place like i'd hit it up every once in a while um but they have you know they have good food too um at the longwood mm-hmm. location but yeah if i had to compare it 
anything basketball related, I'm just going to go with Franz Wagner, man. Like, let's go with the German connection there. Franz Wagner, not at Michigan, though. We're going Orlando Magic, Franz Wagner. No one expected it to be this good, and here he what is. What a homer. No, I, I just can't, man. Like, he, no one expected him to be in the running for Rookie of the Year, and he is. And that's what I'm going with this beer. It's it's good. I enjoy it. So, uh, yeah. The Dow, we don't want to run off the other 29 NBA teams. Yeah. Weren't you the one just crying about Golden State losing? Like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Loser. I'm, also, I'm also for get this podcast to be biased as hell. If you don't like what we're saying, kick get rocks, Dorothy. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, let's jump to the top 25 breakdown. Dow, you want to take the lead on this? Yeah, let's do it. Um, Obviously, coming off the first week, not a ton of major upsets. Uh, So, you know, the the kind of movement, especially this is coming out, we're obviously recording, like I said, Sunday night. So this is before the the first, like, official poll that isn't the preseason poll will be dropped. Um, So just kind of looking at the – at who won, who lost – Almost every top 25 team remains undefeated, so not a ton of movement. One we mentioned earlier, Navy upset UVA. UVA shockingly forgot how to score. Um, so they are <laughs> they were at the very end of the, the top 25. Um, they're probably going to drop, uh, and that probably is a definite. Um, looking at who's in, uh, it's kind of tough to see because a lot of the teams that were kind of on the fringe either lost. Like Michigan State was right there on like the cusp of the top 25. They obviously lost to Kansas in the Champions Classic, so it's going to be tough for them to kind of jump in. Uh, looking for USC maybe to be the one to jump in, just because they had a good win at Temple. But, um, but yeah, not a ton of not a ton of movement. Uh, excited to see kind of the first official poll that isn't just people basing kind of on preseason hype. Uh, so we'll flush the segment out a little bit more as we kind of get into the season and we see see more movement during the during the week. You all have any you all have any thoughts on Anyone that really like impressed you, both in the twenty five top twenty five or outside of it? I think uh, personally, Florida like Florida looked really good today. Like I, I was watching the Bucks game, and then I threw on the the Florida Florida State game at halftime, and I ended up missing part of the Bucks game just because Florida was that fun to watch. Like they were like Colin Castleton and uh, is it Eli Appleby? Apple, I don't know his first name, but Appleby. Like those two were looking great. So I'm excited to watch them and see. I also think Michigan State, even though they have the loss um, to Kansas, they looked really good. I also think they can they can sneak their way in, um, especially if there's any upsets this week. Yeah, for sure. I know that I was looking at Kim Palm earlier, and Florida's 23rd after that uh, that win against Florida State. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, even if they aren't in the AP top 25, they Kim Palm has them playing like a top 25 team mm-hmm. at least. Yeah, I think, you know, between the two of you, you both kind of mentioned the two movers and shakers for me is put Florida back – put Florida in that top 25. I think they they definitely showed it, at least if you're evaluating Florida State as number 20. And Virginia, you got to take a step out. Come have a, sit, come have a seat by me. 
I need to see a little bit more, or at least let me see what Navy's got going on before I judge you too harshly on this. But uh, the two changes for me, Florida's in, uh, Virginia's out. Talking about Virginia, I think, I mean, it, so they went eight and a half minutes without scoring in the second in the uh, second half. Like they didn't score until the last 30 seconds. I just think that's pretty amusing. So I don't think I that's hit. a good strategy for winning. Overall. <laughs> I, got a kick, I got a kick out of that. Um, I just, it's not like we haven't seen that before either. That's the funny part. It's like, I mean, there's been obvious the problems. Players change and the issues remain the same. You know, it's, I don't know. You know, we all, we all know what happened in 28, what was it? 18 or something or 18 or 19, whenever they won the title, um, you know, 2019, they won 2018. They got yeah. in the first round yeah, 18 and 19. I mean, it's just uh, Virginia just, I don't know. I just, you know, anyway, strategy cotton. We'll see how it pays off. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I mean, and one of the teams that I mentioned, um, I think on like a top on the top 25 preview last week was Ohio state. And they were pretty, pretty, um, below average i think mm-hmm. they barely barely squeaked out the win over akron on a last second uh layup and they only beat um niagara by 10 so they're looking pretty sluggish to begin the year this so, is a, yeah. a little bit of a teaser for my uh one of my upset picks but they but mm-hmm. ohio state does not get their schedule does not get any easier over the next like two weeks either they right. have they have right. xavier coming up they have seton hall and they have duke as a three game, uh, like stretch yeah. before they, and they still have break. Kentucky also, obviously. So, yeah, later in December, that's gonna be yeah. a, that's gonna be a fun so, one, I hope. Ohio so. State, I mean, I think I, I can't remember if it was last year or what, but they, yeah, it was it was after they beat Kentucky, I guess, two years ago. They proceeded to lose like their next seven out of eight games. Like, they just, I don't know if they're just gonna have their. You know they're just going to start out slow and just progressively improve this season, or if they're just going to be kind of an overrated team going into the year and just struggle all year. So it'd be interesting to see what where Ohio State goes from here. I thought they were a little overrated last year, and it showed in the tournament. And then yeah. you know, and then there was all that stuff about EJ Liddell getting all the death threats and you know right. stuff in Instagram. Yeah, and so terrible. I was surprised that he returned this year, just because right. like when you're dealing with that crap, I don't know. And he, NIL he had, made, played a huge factor, I'm sure. But, yeah, he had twenty nine um, in their in their second win against Niagara. So if he played a pre, he, he was big in that game, or they they wouldn't have won. And then, he, he's the only reason they've won. They've won both right. of their games. Yeah, he's. Right. I mean, he is the the one that makes them go. And like without them, they they wouldn't have anything, in my opinion. But yeah, and Holtman, you know, is one of those is probably number one on the list as far as who replaces Cal within the next three to five years. And you know, he hasn't really done himself any favors the last. One and a half, two seasons, you know, as far as keeping himself at the top of that list. So, yeah, definitely not. So, we've got some work to do. Yeah. So, we say Virginia's out, Florida's in, Ohio State, you're on the hot seat. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. All right. So, let's move on to the must watch games of the week. Um, Tuesday at 8 p.m., we have, as of right now, because this is what the rankings have them right now. um, So, this will obviously change. But right now, our rankings have it number 25 Virginia versus number 15 Houston at Tuesday at 8 p.m. I think this is going to be a closer game than we uh, we all think it is. I think Houston, like I was high on them. I had them in my final four predictions, and that's definitely changed so far because they just did not look good. I think they played Hofstra or something like that, mm-hmm. and they did not look good at all. They took them into overtime. They got the they got the dub, but they just did not look good. 
not that any team that's going to look like is going to look the same now, like they will in, in March. Um, mm-hmm. um, so that's something to keep in mind. I think Kelvin Sampson is a good coach. So I like to see them progress, but they don't look like the number 15 team in the nation right now. Um, yeah. so, I mean, Virginia, Virginia might be prime for another eight and a half minute scoring drought against Houston. Absolutely. The length, Houston's length should bother Virginia, obviously. And it's not like Virginia shoots the lights out. So it should be uh it should be a yeah. nice slug fest. Like I don't say it'll be the must not watch game of the week. <laughs> like right. you're going to pay attention to it, but you don't want to watch it, you know? So um, yeah, especially at like an 8 p.m. Physical. on a Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then we got number four Villanova versus number 18 Tennessee. And that's going to be Saturday at 1 p.m. We have number 19 UNC versus number seven Purdue Saturday at four. And then we have Xavier versus Ohio state. That's Thursday at six 30. Um, mm-hmm. So give me your like of these four games, which one are you most excited to watch or not watch? <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm going to go, go Tennessee ahead, Villanova. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't have a lot of information based on either one of them. I mean, Villanova did play a good game versus UCLA. Tennessee still hasn't really played anybody yet. Not a knock on them, just how it goes early season. Mm-hmm. But if you look at just the numbers, I mean, I think Tennessee has twice as many rebounds, like twice as many blocks. Like when it comes to having a big, Tennessee seems to be doing it a lot better than Villanova. But I do think Villanova is the better team. Uh, when I first, when you first brought that up to us, I, I Googled it real quick and I thought it was going to be at Knoxville because it was said Villanova at Tennessee, but it's one of these Mojave casino games. Neutral site so I, game, yeah. Yeah, so it really doesn't matter at that point, so I'm throwing it out. Um, I am excited to see, you know, what Chandler can do at point guard. Um, Hudley Hatfield, if that's his name, the, the big guy for Tennessee. I, I do think that could be a strength for Tennessee, and, and those numbers alone, especially early season, tell me to kind of go with Tennessee, but I do think Villanova is just quite a bit better, and I, I'm – I'm a big believer that you learn more from a big loss a la at UCLA than you do dominating a smaller school. So give me Villanova on this one, but I think that will be the much more interesting game. Yeah. I got to agree on that one. I mean, that's out of those four choices. I mean, Villanova, Tennessee, that's going to be a hell of a game to watch. Um, Both teams, you know, have a, have a high steal average, a high assist average. And then the guards, you've got big guys, you've got wings, you've got, you know, it's it's going to be a game probably – you're going to have to score at least 90 to win that game. Um, Tennessee has a huge advantage in the paint. You know, it'll be – you know, if Chandler plays as well as he can play, I think he can neutralize what Villanova has on the perimeter. Um, and uh, it's just going to be one of those fun early season games to watch, no doubt. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that probably the best game of those four is going to be Villanova-Tennessee – I'm honestly kind of interested in the Virginia Houston game just because it's two teams that have not looked really like up to their ranking so far. Um, And as kind of boring as defensive matchups can be, um, it's still two great coaches in, in the game uh, and kind of seeing how each one of them bounces back from a, probably if you ask their fan bases, like a, an underwhelming first week, see how they can bounce back um, is yeah. going to be, is going to be really interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you mentioned the coaches. I mean, that's, those are two terrific in-game coaches. So it's going to be a chess match all the way through. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not like super excited about number 19 UNC versus number seven Purdue. I just think Purdue is too good at this moment. And UNC is still finding its footing, especially with the new coach. 
So I don't expect that to be close. Like I'd say Purdue by 12. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I am excited for Villanova and Tennessee. I think Villanova, like I said, like it's it's they do like if you look at their stats so far, like they have like a couple of guys that are averaging double digits. Tennessee, it's like Viscovi and Chandler. And then you don't know what you're going to get out of that front court yet. Um, you're not entirely sure. So I think it's going to come down to how well they play, especially Huntley Hatfield. But I don't I don't know if he's if he's even starting yet. Like I, I there's a lot of question marks about Tennessee that I still think they'll be a good team. Like Rick Barnes is a good coach. Um, obviously, he he chokes in March, but it's November. So he should be getting like getting his team good right now. Um, so I'm he excited also did not that. start. Bernheim Hatfield did not. Yeah, start he hasn't started yet. Far. That's what I, I still thought. got Folky. Still got Folky though. He's reason. been out. He's been out for a little bit, right? I, I thought he was, but I uh, I don't know. The game I watched the other day, he I, I don't think he made an appearance. Um, yeah. So we, we'll see. Yeah, he has I only mean, played in one game. Yeah. Nakamu, Nakamu, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's averaging 14 rebounds a game, which looks like a lot, but then you look at their competition and like you should average that. Um, so you know, yeah, we we will see about uh, Tennessee's front court, but their back court is fine. Like Kennedy Chandler has already proven that he's one of the best guards, especially as a freshman. So I'm excited for him. I think he's going to have a great career, and I hope he's only in the the ugly Tennessee orange one year. So, um, yeah, let's move on to the Shark Tank upsets. So if you are a first time listener, this is where we pitch our upsets of the week that we haven't already mentioned where the Sharks, which is whoever is not pitching the upset, can either buy a pint, a case, a keg, or whatever you want to call it, or they could be totally out on it. So give me your upsets. Pitch me your upsets this week, and make sure you pre- you uh, present it. Make sure you address us as Sharks. I like being addressed as a Shark, so make sure you do that, all right? <laughs> well, I'm going to come out of left field because I feel like everyone I had – came up in our conversation that someone else already had. So I said, you know what, let me just go out of left field. Because if you watch Shark Tank, every once in a while you'll see that guy on there who's selling like nose whistles or selling like some kind of novelty gift that never goes anywhere. So Shark, Connor, I I don't know what they call it, the sharks on there. There's the one guy, Mr. Wonderful, but I don't think he's very wonderful. So we'll go Mr. Picks them all right. Uh, I'm going – want this to happen and I don't even think it's going to happen that's how much I'm going to downplay it but I've got to preface it I'm going Ohio over Kentucky I think they they have a kid and I wrote his name down here drew a blank on it Mark Sears I think he's shooting darn near 70 percent from the field we already see how this happens when these cats roll into Rupp Arena they shoot lights out they have the game of their life because they're playing on the brightest stage And the fan base, and maybe I'm coming from a fan on this with some frustration towards my own fan base, but if we are only up by five at halftime, you're going to think we're losing by 30. That place already has some doubts going on with how how good this team is because, you know, you take what happened last year, you take what happened in the preseason where we played one really good game, one not so good game. We did lose to Duke. Depending on how you look at that, you can be really excited. You'd be really disappointed. And then we had an amazing game versus Robert Morris. I do think if somehow we are down or a close in the first half, that in the second half, that atmosphere will be palpable. And if that happens, and, and, and my dude Sears or whatever his name is, is going off, 
that's my upset. I hope you guys don't buy this. I hope you guys are out because I do not want this to happen. But I, I have a feeling you other you guys took the three other potential ones. So this one felt like a very big trap game because I do feel like Ohio's played pretty good. And as a Kentucky team who does have so many transfers, who does have so many young pieces, this is a game-by-game game progress. Hope I'm wrong. Hope they win by 50, but just an upset watch to keep an eye on. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out on this one. I just <laughs> – I can't. Like, Kentucky scored 100 I, in the first round in 2017. I don't think – I don't think it's going to be in Ohio. I don't think it's going to be any of these lower-level schools that, that get us this year. It's going to be the the big matchups that just seem to have our numbers. So, like, if you said Ohio State, like, I'd be in on that one a little bit just because, you know, like, foul trouble to Oscar Shibway, who's going to check EJ Liddell. Like, we don't have anybody that really can do that. So, um, but not to Ohio University. Hey, I'm just saying, every team, every team that's played under Cal has had that game, maybe not the 2012 team, but has had that game. It took John Wall a last second shot to beat Miami of Ohio. I mean, it it happens. I would much rather be John Wall on this team. I would much rather be the team – like, in, in 2018, I would much rather beat Michigan State than lose to Evansville because at least you know you can beat the big teams. I would much rather lose to Ohio, as silly as that sounds, but beat Kansas at home or beat Kansas on the road. So, like I said, I, I don't fully buy into that, but I feel like you three had taken the really high potential upsets. So, I'm just saying it's something to keep out there. And if you're a Kentucky hater, I know we're trying to appease you for some reason. Hop on to that game. It, it, it could be interesting. All right. Yeah. Anybody else in on that? Or are we all out? Oh, I'm I'm out because Ohio is actually funny. So we'll get to see a common opponent for Ohio because they play Robert Morris at the beginning of this week. So it'll actually be like one of those weird like games where Ohio's played three games when they've come in to play Kentucky, and one of them will be a team that Kentucky's also played. Yeah, I'm out because – Oh, no one's going to out-rebound Oscar, but yeah, we can just yeah. Keep the man is averaging 20 rebounds per game. I know it's only two games in, but that's remarkable that he's I'm out at 20 I'm out rebounds. Too. I'm out too, Matt. Sorry. No, he hey, hey I like that you're all out. I don't want that to be, but <laughs> I'm just saying of all the ones that I thought, I was like, hey, this is, this is a hey. slippery game. And I, I'm on record for saying, and, and Oscar has played amazing, I think some of his worst games are going to come against teams like this where the big man tries to shoot all the threes and pulls him out. Um, but I think – because I think anytime there's a number in front of the team we're playing, Oscar's going 20-plus rebounds every rip. Yeah, I don't think effort's going to be the, the question that we have about Oscar Sheway at all. So I'm excited for that. Um, all right, somebody else, give me – pitch me your upset. All right, guys, I'm going to um, – I don't know Sharks. what it is. Yeah, it's sharks. I'm sorry, sharks, guys. Um, I don't know what it is, but I've got a thing for cougars. My mid-major team is the cougars. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the Charleston Cougars over the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, and let me tell you why I'm going to do that. First of all, this game is being played like North Carolina does this. Is this? It's interesting. I don't know why they do this. Um, like it seems like every four years or so they go to the College of Charleston and play in Charleston's arena. So it's going to be in Charleston's arena. 
Um, I, I, and I have a problem calling them Charleston too. It's always been College of Charleston. It's always going to be College of Charleston for me. So I'm going to call them College of Charleston. Um, they already have t- uh, three wins. Uh, first one was a blowout over South Carolina State. Second one was Lipscomb. Uh, and then Loyola, Maryland. Uh, so they've got three wins under their belt already. Um, and those were actually, it was a, uh, a little, you know, early season classic thing where you play three games in a row. So they won three games in a row, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, so they, you know, they've got all the, the rust knocked off. They're feeling good. They've got almost six guys averaging in double figures. They've got a dude averaging uh, – so when I first saw it, it was Jay Meeks. And I was like, wait a second. I know mm-hmm. a Jay Meeks. And so they got Jay Meeks averaging almost 18 a game. They got a guy averaging 17 a game. They got a 10, a 9, a 9, and a 9. Uh, and then a 7.3. So they've got scoring pop. Um, I think they're going to be able to score with UNC. It's all a matter of can they hold their own inside against US- UNC. Um, and they've got a couple guys averaging eight rebounds a game. They're not going to block any shots. Um, they're going to get to the free throw line and shoot a pretty good percentage. They're going to make some threes. Um, it's just, I don't trust Hubert Davis enough to say that he's going to be able to take his team that also has its own issues. Um, especially on the defensive end into Charleston and, 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 and beat the Cougars. So with you guys, you know, you guys are what mid late twenties. I think y'all can, y'all can handle some Cougars, right? Does do Cougars interest y'all at all? Or, or what do you think? Well, I'm 32. Love a good cougar, I guess. But right. I, I, the only thing I love, actually, the only thing I love more than cougars is this prediction. Because I go. think, give me the keg, give me the boatload of this. There you go. I agree. I think back up. You're the right. Ever, ever so often, North Carolina does this. I'm not mis- if I'm not mistaken, I think they've been bit a couple times by it. I think with fans allowed, I don't know a darn thing about Charlestown College, College of Charlestown, or Charlestown State, whatever they go by. I just feel like this is one of the games where the schools open up the doors and they pack that place with everybody that's just looking for something to do. Hey, let me tell you, too, Charleston is, is an amazing that. place to boot. I don't know if you all been to Charleston or not, but it's my favorite, probably my favorite place to go. I love Charleston. On, on the planet, I'm going there um, at the end of the year for New Year's and right after Christmas. I love Charleston. Charleston's got a lot going for it, and, and they're going to pull off this upset. I'm guaranteeing it. It's a gorgeous city. The only problem it has is that it's located in South Carolina. But, I mean, like, it's a gorgeous city. I love it. I love oh, yeah. Charleston. So, um, yeah, let me get a case of that. Okay. I don't know. Um, you got it. There's a couple of questions as just, like, the athletic nature of Charleston, College of Char- Charleston's team. Like, I just don't know right. if they're going to be able to hang with uh, UNC, um, right. especially Baycott. Like, that dude has some huge arms. Like, that right. dude is huge. So, I just think the um, – if there's going to be a reason that, you know, UNC wins, it's because of their, their athletic nature, the physicality, and right. that'll be it. But I, I'll, I'll buy a case of it. I think, I think if Charleston can just light it up from three and uh, really give the, you know, get, get an early lead, UNC is not as good from, as playing from behind, especially in, I mean, we don't know about Hubert Davis and what his team makeup and chemistry is like, but I just don't mm-hmm. think, I don't think this early in their, in his tenure, I think there's going to be some question marks about, you know, their mental toughness. And so if Charleston could get a lead, I'll get it. I'll take a case of that for sure. Hey, they had some huge, they had some huge issues against Brown. They, they were trailing 50 to 47 at halftime against Brown earlier, uh, you know, last week. So 
there's there's some there's some issues there with, with on defense and Charleston has some size. They've got a couple six eleven guys. They've got a couple six nine guys, and they've got a good wing. Um, that uh, Meeks kid, John Meeks, he's six six two twenty five, wing, and he's a senior too, and he's their leading scorer. So that's a that's the kind of guy you can kind of ride, and you know he can kind of carry you to the upset. Yeah, I was gonna say I I think I I'll take a pint. I'm gonna go as as small in this as possible. But All right. I do think that it it's an interesting game. One, because of the struggles a little bit against Brown. UNC has really struggled to turn like their opponents over this year, which I think is just something that if you're gonna try and avoid an upset, especially against a lesser team like a College of Charleston, that being able to force turnovers and get easy buckets like that is something that really allows you to kind of uh, elevate yourself above an opponent that is that is theoretically below you, um, mm-hmm. and they just seem to have not been able to have done to do that this year. So, right, it doesn't seem like Charleston has shot well enough to really be something that can take full advantage of that. But I don't think that UNC has the ability to really pull away from teams um, like this in the non-conference. Uh, so I'll buy a pint. I'll I'll I'll, I'll nibble a little bit. All right. I hear you, sharks. Everybody's taking a little, uh, little piece. I hear you. <laughs> All right, Dal, go ahead and uh, pitch us your upset, man. All right, yeah. So my upset is not as like on paper, it's not probably as big of an upset as it would seem. Just saying the names, because uh, one of these teams is in like the top thirty-five on Ken Palm. Uh, they actually have a ton of experience and. Um, should be one of the better teams in the Big East this year. But I'm going Seton Hall over Michigan. And it's only really a big upset because Michigan's the number two team in the country. Um, but Seton Hall coming off uh, an 80-44 to 44 win against a solid Yale team um, that'll probably be one of the better teams in the in the Ivy League this year. Um, Seton Hall has a ton of, of depth. They have solid size so that they can kind of – offset the size that Michigan brings to the table, especially with Hunter Dickerson. Um, and Bryce Aiken, who was one of the best transfers in the country last year, or like the previous year, uh, kid coming out of Harvard, was the best player in the Ivy League for a couple years in a row, really leads their overall shooting attack, and they have multiple guys that can can shoot from three. So, like I said, they're, they're like a top 35 team in Ken Palm, so it doesn't seem like – I feel like that Seton Hall is a team that we're going to hear about over the course of the the year and hasn't probably gotten the respect they deserve um, coming into the season. So that's my that's my upset is the the number two team losing at home to Seton Hall. Hmm. I'm on board. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a keg of that. I think it's gonna happen. I think we saw what Buffalo can give uh, Michigan, and so I th- I think Michigan is. Not as good as we thought they were. I still think Hunter Dickinson is like probably one of the best centers in college basketball right now. Uh, but who else do they have that can take over a game? I think it was by committee against Buffalo, but you, you can't handle You can't do that every time. And I like uh, Bryce Aiken. I, I agree. He's, he's good. I mean, I think they're, I think Seton Hall's a solid team. Yeah. Dal, I mean, I like that. Um, you know, I just think it's, it's at Michigan. Is that right? it is is. yeah i just are they are they doing um are they full capacity do you know i would assume so up there in michigan i'm not not sure sure. yeah 
I mean, if it if it's a full house and everything at Michigan, that game is on during the week or on Saturday. It's a Tuesday at nine o'clock, so okay. it's a late game. Tuesday late game. All right. Um, I don't know. I don't think I can pull the trigger on that one. I mean, I like it. I like your sales pitch. I think Willard is doing a great job. I mean, I can't believe he's there. He's been there twelve years now. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and so you know. I like it, but I just can't quite pull the trigger on it. So you can miss out on it. It's fine. What's your equity look like? What's your turnover? What's your overhead? What's what? What are you here for? I don't know. That's just a bunch of shark terms, shark <laughs> shark tank terms. Uh, it's a fancy and entertaining way for me to say I'm out. I just I'm gonna say I'm gonna say my equity is that Seton Hall is allowing their opponents to shoot just twenty eight point two percent an effective field goal percentage, which is the best mark in the country through the first week of the season. It's effectable. Who are you playing? You got revenue. I need to see sales. I'm out. <laughs> we, can, right, we, don't so, have to, we don't have to worry about who we've played so far. It's okay, Dow. Me and you are going to get drunk off this keg that I bought. Hell yeah. We're going to be good. Yeah, we'll be fine. So, all right, let me pitch you mine. Um, I think this is this is, I don't want this to be confused as like, I'm not as high on this team as I am on this team. Like, I'm really high on Marquette here over Illinois, and I think it's because of one man, and his name is Daryl Marcel. He is averaging 23.5 points on 60 for, 60% field goal uh, shooting and 50% from three. And it's not like he went, you know, like two for four. Like, he's made three threes in each game. So, I mean, like, that's that's pretty impressive. He's six for 12 on the season. Uh, but I just think, I mean, like, he is leading a lot. And then Justin Lewis for Marquette is averaging 17 points and 11 rebounds and one and a half steals. So um, he's not a great, you know, perimeter threat, but he is he is a forward that is that is definitely getting his own in the front court. Meanwhile, you look at Illinois stats; they haven't been like great. First of all, there's no Kofi Coburn in this game. That's huge. Um, so if there's no Kofi, then that means there's no one to check Justin Lewis in the front court. And as far as like any of the guards in this game, like for either team, I'm taking Daryl Marcel over Andre Corbello, over Grandison, over Hawkins. Like, give me whatever. Um, Hawkins is averaging 10 rebounds as a forward, three and a half assists. He's leading in steals and blocks for Illinois. Grandison's leading in points, 17 and a half. Corbello has been nowhere to be found. He's averaging eight points and four rebounds and two assists. Um, or no, seven assists. So, I mean, he's getting it done in the passing, but, I mean, he has a 0% three-point shooted shoot, uh, shooting percentage. He's shooting um, 50% from go free throw. Yeah, there's nowhere to go but up. I Connor, don't think I don't think he uh, he's the one to do it. Connor, with say team. no more. Say no more. That was going to be my one of my picks. That was my second pick anyways. Say yeah. no more. I'll take all the kegs. Give me all the kegs. Let's go. I'm Let's going, go. man. Yeah, you can take yeah. all the kegs because I'm out. You're out. Yeah. Give me, give me, give me all the kegs. Bring all the cougars. We're going down to Charlestown. We're having a party. This is on the road. It's it's in Milwaukee. I. This isn't a diss. I know everybody's going to hear oh, these bunch of Kentucky fans dogging on Illinois. It's not. It's just you're playing in a ruckus environment. You're going on the road early season. No one's going to dog you for losing a game. But I make this comparison on so many fronts, so many different times. A good big man, and I mean an old-fashioned big man like Coffee Colburn, that is like a run game in football. And sometimes when you're in a hostile environment, when things aren't going your way, when you have no rhythm in offense, it's awesome just to have a great running back to hand the ball to 
and and get some yardage, get some production, and get some momentum. And uh, same goes in basketball. When things aren't working, when shots aren't falling, when your main point guard ain't scoring, it would be awesome to have a All-American big to just dump the ball off to and let him get you some early points just to hush the crowd and get some momentum in your favor. They don't have it. So back the kegs up. I'm all in. The keg keg and Cougar 2021 fest has happened over here. I'm all in. Yeah, I just if, – if Kofi Coburn was in this game – then I would probably say, I, like, I just like Illinois in this, just because that's how good Kofi Coburn is. Yeah. But seeing that he's not in and Andre Cabello has not taken the step and has not improved like we thought he would, um, I'm just, I, I can't, I can't see Marquette losing this game, especially when you have a player that's averaging 23 and a half points on 50% from three. Yeah. Like, he's just, he's, he's a monster. He's a very underrated player. That was so a far, good so. point. That was a good point, Matt. It's nice to have your security blanket on the road, you know? Yeah big man to go to so y'all are focusing focusing a lot on who isn't in this game for (laughs) illinois and not focusing enough on who's in the game so benjamin bossman's verdonk i don't know i'm (laughs) probably butchering that pronunciation but he is ninth in the country in offensive rebound percentage and 22nd on in defensive rebound percentage illinois is currently second in the country in offensive rebound percentage and has the best defense in uh, like adjusted efficiency uh, in the country. Granted, haven't played anyone overly like spectacular, but have allowed just a hundred points through two games. I don't know, man. The Marquette it, it's at it's at home, so they'll have that on their side. But like I said, I uh, I think I'm out. I'm gonna let you all. Enjoy all of your kegs. It'll go rotten because you don't get <laughs> good. So, it's going to be one right, of those well, where Shaka's, Shaka's yelling and screaming on the sideline. I think Shaka's going to be hyped for this one to have him ready. Yeah, to 100%. So, all right. Well, that ends it for our Shark Tank upsets of the week. Um, all right. Mid-major madness. Here we go. The fan team. You guys voted. You decided. You didn't want Tubby Smith's high point. You didn't want San Francisco. You didn't want Rick Patino's Iona squad. You wanted Sister Jeans, Loyola Chicago Ramblers. And what you what you asked for is what you're going to get. You are 2-0 and on the season. You have a W against Coppin State, 103-45, to which is ridiculous. And you have a W against Florida Gulf Coast, otherwise known as Dunk City, 89-77. to That was a tighter game than I think it should have been, um, considering how good Loyola Chicago has played um, just the last couple of years. But – um, your player of the week, and I'm going to totally butcher this name, um, Ahir Ugak, Ugak, I think is how you pronounce it, Ugak, Ugak, I don't even know how to pronounce it, but he is the player of the week. He He's averaging 17 points per game, shooting 71.4% from three. So he, he's uh, lightened up and he's doing well. He was actually a Lobo, a New Mexico, uh, New Mexico Lobo at one point in his career, if you didn't know. His freshman year, he transferred to Loyola Chicago. I did a little bit of research on him. So that is an update on the fan team. Give me your, give me an update on your guys' team. How'd they do this week? All right, so actually, so Uguag is 13th in the country in effective field goal percentage currently as of as of our recording, which is interesting. pretty impressive. Interesting. Um, I'll, I'll go with my major team. Uh I picked the Richmond Spiders, Roll Spide. Uh, they are currently one and one. They beat an NC Central team pretty handily and then lost to Utah State, coached by Ryan Odom, who was actually one of the guys that was um, rumored to be a big 
player in the Wake Forest hiring when they hired Forbes because um, he has some connections to to Wake. But um, the main thing that we're looking for in Richmond's season this year is Jacob Gilliard. He has currently played 80 minutes through two games. Yes, that is every single minute. He has not been subbed out of the game and already has 11 steals through two games. Uh, my mid-major madness will essentially be updating you all on where he stands in the all-time <laughs> steals leader uh, leaderboard. And he's currently sitting at 369 right now, which means he needs just 17 more steals to break the all-time record. So Wow, that's amazing. We'll probably do that pretty early in the season. So I'll just be letting y'all know how much like room he's making between himself and the next closest person. Um, You're going to break that. He's going to break that in like two weeks. You're going to have no content for the <laughs> mid-major madness <laughs> section of the podcast. I'm just going to be, be setting like, artificial the goals for him. this week or the spiders won this week. I don't know. Jacob Gilliard got another steal shocker. Right. You know, like. Well, you right. dub uh, for me, um, one and one started out strong, lost to EKU uh, over the weekend. My main reason for watching was PBJ, Patrick Baldwin Jr. Um, he's went 21 and 10 game one. He went 19 and 13 game two. My math checks out. That's 20 points a game, 12 and a half rebounds a game. No surprise there, especially considering his status as a recruit, his potential, and the teams he's playing. I was pretty down after they lost to EKU thinking, well, that's not going to look good. But then I remember the thing about mid-majors is you can't really take the regular season that serious because if they have a great regular season and lose early in the conference tournament, they're not getting in. If they're dog poop in the regular season, but they win the conference tournament, they're getting in. So uh, just keep doing what you're doing, PB and J. Okay, so again, we're going – we're talking about Cougars again, guys. Don't get too excited. Um, So BYU – led by Alex Barcelo. Um, he's been in college basketball for 13 and a half years. Um, so he originally went to um, – he was Arizona Player of the Year, went to Arizona uh, in 2017-18, um, played this, his first two seasons there, then transferred to uh, BYU. He is averaging 20 and a half a game. Um, so BYU is 2-0. and um 10 point win over cleveland state six point win over san diego both games or san diego state both games in the 60s so they're kind of grinding it out right now kind of finding their footing um but like i said they're led by barcelo um and he is uh you know kind of their leader i think he's the only guy averaging in double figures um so far but they've got a huge game at oregon on tuesday um so, and that's going to be at the Moda Center. That's where Portland plays, right? The Trailblazers? Yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be, you know, kind of a sort of a neutral site game um, in a way. Um, but uh, Oregon will be the heavy favorite. But I think if, you know, like I said, they're scrappy. Pope's teams are usually pretty scrappy. So if they can scrap out, you know, and, and just kind of play a good solid game, I think if they can get – you know, stay within 10 points of Oregon. I think they'll be doing pretty well. So we'll see what happens on Tuesday. But that's a big um, non-conference game for them uh, coming up. But right now, 2-0, and looking pretty good. You know, just trying to figure out. They lost um, a bit from last year, but so they're trying to replace um, – they're trying to play, replace some numbers and experience. But I think Barcelo is going to be one of those guys that averages over 20 for the, for the entire year and kind of carries them uh, from here. 
All right, so we have an update on Buffalo. Unfortunately, they lost to Michigan, um, and uh, and it really like it was closer than the final score indicated. They they let it slip at the end, but it was eighty eight seventy six. I mean, no one on Buffalo's roster could check Hunter Dickinson. That that dude is like I said, one of the best centers in college basketball. But um, Jonathan Williams, man, that dude was a was a baller he, he like he really surprised me like I, I knew he was good I mean like he's a senior so he should have the experience there but he had 32 points eight rebounds he did his best Kobe impression and one assist and he shot 40 percent from three like he was all over the place I think he led like most of their um Sagu is the uh the, the assist leader um but besides that Jonathan Williams was the man um, they play North Texas and Ryder this week. I expect them if they play anything anywhere as near as good as they played against Michigan, they should be two and one at the end of this week. Um, like I don't think North Texas can check them. Jonathan Williams has to be the man though. Like if he goes down, I, they might not get another win on the season. I think he's just their team. Um, mm. So, uh, so go Buffs! I'm excited for that. They're good. Um, so yeah, now we have we're gonna move on to our section last call. This is a new idea pitched to uh, pitched to us by our man Matt. Um, so last call is no holds barred. Anything you want to say? Give me your hottest take. Give me your player comps. Give me your what you're excited for. Give me whatever you got. It's last call. Uh, we're not gonna put a time limit on it, but keep it short. Keep it sweet. Last call. Let's go. Shot time. Let's go. Um, I'll start, even though I went completely blank of what my last call was going to be. I ha- thought I had a good one, but I guess I lost it. Uh, not a big hot take guy, but I guess I'm going to go with probably what is considered my hottest take. I, I, I love college basketball. And as fun as, as, as March Madness can be, I, I think it, I, I got an unpopular opinion of how we can change it to make it even better. If you look at it, there's really two types of March Madnesses you're going to get. You're going to get the greatest opening weekend of March Madness in, in, in history, and you're going to have upsets galore. You're going to have 16s over one, 15s over two. It's going to be amazing. But the likelihood is you're going to get some pretty bummerish Final Fours because if all the great teams lose early, well, they're not there to play late, and that's how you get a three versus six. Nothing wrong with it. You played it. You won your games. Great for you. But sometimes I want to see great then you have to the opposite effect where everything holds chalk and then you get the amazing final four. Maybe one day we'll get another coveted asterisk included, uh, another coveted all one seeds. And that would be amazing. So my imaginary, my wishful thinking magical tournament would be, I would love to have rounds one and two that Thursday, Friday be like it is. Let it be complete March madness. But then once we get to the, Sweet 16, Elite 8, the second weekend, let's let it be college baseball double elimination. You already got the pods. You already got the one, four, you know, whatever, eight, three, four, whatever the, the, the bracket breakdowns are. Let's get some – the season's too amazing, too up and down. It's too great to just have one bad night end it all for you. And I can understand if you're Ohio State and you lose to Oral Roberts, hey, that's on you. You should have got it together. But there's some great games in the second weekend that I think we need to see. We deserve, as college basketball fans, we deserve some some more laid-out matchups. So I'm proposing in the Sweet 16 and in the Elite Eight, let that be a double elimination a la college baseball if anybody ever peeps out the College World Series. And then in the Final Four, best two out of three. 
little bit of playoff style. Let's see who the true is. Let's see if we get a Kentucky Duke, and maybe you get an outcome like we got Tuesday night. Let's see what happens when Kentucky's down 0-1. Let's see what happens when it's a 1-1 matchup. I know a lot of people says that's the greatest thing about college basketball is March Madness, and there is a little truth to that. But I think as college basketball fans, especially as we get towards to these super teams and NIL and, and transfer portals, we deserve the best possible matchups we can get. So let's let us see not only the team that can get hot, not the hottest team, not the team that went six straight. Let's see the best team, the team that can get punched in the mouth and come back when they're facing an 0-1 deficit or when they've already in the loser's bracket. I am here for let's moving away from the winning six and let's get some double elimination into our tournament. Dal, you had uh, teased us on um, Oscar Sheway. Why don't you give us that take for your last call? All right, yeah, Oscar Sheway is the best rebounder in the history of basketball. Yes, sir. That's, that's yes, sir. Not really true because Dennis Rodman exists, but he so college basketball, college basketball. And this this is prefaced by saying this is not rebounds per game. This is just total rebounds. But currently, Oscar Sheway has more rebounds than twenty three teams in Division One have as a team. He almost out rebounded Robert Morris by himself on uh, on Friday and if out there I know that again like we're all for pretty much Kentucky fans on this so we're going to talk about them you'll probably get a little bit tired of it but one thing that is impossible to get tired of is college kids or really just athletes in general being awesome interviews and being able to see the stories and the the like passion that they bring and Oscar Shibway is an absolutely incredible interview. That kid Best is interview in basketball. So, so entertaining. He seems so genuine, and he is an absolute monster on the boards. I'm not so, a machine. I'm Oscar. I'm yeah, Oscar. Right. <laughs> yeah, Coach K came in and asked him like, why he didn't get a rebound. He was like, I'm not a machine. I'm just Oscar. Like, mm-hmm. that's just so Oscar. funny. Man. Well, there was that video that came out where everybody was coming up to the camera and doing whatever early in the season, and he just was like, where's the pin? What's your last call there, Kyle? Yeah, so I'm gonna um I'm gonna bring up a little topic that our boy uh Chris Beard brought up um <laughs> last night about the best teams in the country should play true road games. It's what should happen in college basketball. And so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, you know, throw it back to my old man ways and yell at a cloud and say that I agree with you, Chris Beard. I don't mind the Champions Classic. Tip it off with, you know, four of the best teams of the modern basketball era, you know, playing in a neutral site, a destination-type game, you know, something to showcase, um, the opening of college basketball. I like that. After that, let's go back and play. Let's go to um, Chapel Hill. Let's go to Bloomington, even though I hate it. Uh, You know, let's go up to uh, East Lansing and play at Michigan State again. Let's go down to Austin and play Texas. Let's go out to the West Coast and play at Pauley. Those those types of games traditionally were played, you know, for decades in college basketball, and we've gone away from it, and I'm not really a big fan of it. I don't mind the holiday tournaments, um, you know, I, you know the Maui Invitational, you know, the Thanksgiving. Yeah, like thanks, yeah. yeah, the Nike deal out in yeah. – um, out in you know, Portland, whatever. Right. Um, you know, I don't mind those, you know, those throwing those things in there and Cal doesn't even like to play in those tournaments. So it's not, you know, Kentucky's never going to be playing in those anyways. So 
it's kind of evolved, you know, into this thing where we're doing all these destination things for fans and 99% of the fan base either, you know, it's too far away. You can't afford to go. You can't get off work to go. And they're already investing a lot of their money into the SEC tournament and going to that. You know, we're, we're overtaking that already. And it's just a lot for fans to go to those neutral site games. And so, you know, back in, back when Indiana and Kentucky would play in the RCA dome, Hoosier dome, uh, you know, back in the nineties and early two thousands, I mean, that was an amazing atmosphere. It was one of the best atmospheres in college basketball the entire year. And then when Kentucky went up to Detroit and played Michigan state and at Ford field up there and, you know, 77,000 people or whatever. I mean, those are also amazing, amazing games. Um, but there's just something about, you know, that North Carolina Jersey, that Indiana Jersey, that, you know, UCLA Jersey coming into Rupp arena and playing a basketball game in front of those Rupp fans, um, you know, and the other way around. So, I'm all for it. Um, and, and actually it's, you know, we're starting to see more of that. So I think that's going to just like a lot of things in college basketball trend back the other way, where you have a lot of these true road games, the best teams are going and playing in those gyms. So we'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah. All right. So my last call here, and this is something that I just got to call out some, you know, some mutual followers on Twitter before <laughs> you say your player, your, you know, the, the best player on your team is going to be the SEC player of the year, the ACC player of the year, or whatever. Make sure that they that team has played somebody, you know, that like a little bit a higher you know, caliber of team other than like, I don't know, who did Tennessee play this last week? Some, I had somebody call and saying that Kennedy Chandler is going to be the SEC player of the year. Look, Oscar Shibway is averaging 20 rebounds per game, and that 20 of those rebounds came against Duke. Like, it's not like some, you know, it's not like they just played two Robert Morris's, like 20 rebounds against Duke's front court. So how are you going to say Kennedy Chandler, who hasn't played any high level, you know, talent or any team that's close to the top 25 is going to be the SEC player of the year when he hasn't proven it against better teams? You know what I mean? You know, like there's another thing I saw today that's like, well, Florida's, you know, it's hands down. Florida has the best defense in SEC as of right now. It's like, how can we tell, though? I mean, they're going against Florida State's offense. Florida State is notorious for having just relying on athleticism to get points. And if, you know, like if you go to a zone, you stop Florida State's offense. So, uh, like, watch out for your takes on Twitter. That's all I'm saying. Like, you Mm. know, be a little bit cautious on because I will call you out on this podcast. If you have something ridiculous as like SEC player of the year, Kendi Chandler, before he plays any, you know, high level talent or, you know, Florida has the best offense. Um, in college, back in you know SEC before you know, and they haven't played a de- you know an offense that or best they have the best defense. They haven't played an offense that really has shown us anything. Like you know, Florida State scored sixty points or something like that. So just watch out. That's all I'm saying. I, I appreciate every single one of our listeners here. I'm so glad that you joined us this week. Next week we're going to be reviewing some amber ale. So go ahead and give us a suggestion if you have any. And if we've tried it, I'm not going to review it on the podcast if I've tried it, but. If not, then we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, Amber Ales is what we're going to be trying next week, ones that we've never had before. And we might have a podcast guest next week. We might not. We'll see if he does come on. Be on the lookout. He's an up-and-coming, like, recruiting analyst that's been, you know, that's called, you know, he's pretty much, like, all over the country right now and has, has had some notable recruits and been in on Is the- it Big Tam? No, it's not <laughs> Big Tim. But I'd love to get Big Tim on this podcast. Unfortunately, I think he has me blocked. That'd be something oh, else. I'm dying. 
that'd be something else. But yeah, um, we have somebody. I'm not going to mention the name in case that he you know, he can't. He's going to let me know tomorrow. But we're going to tease it this week in a style that only he can. Um, so we're going to play his own game this week. But yeah, we're we're so excited that you guys are listening. Give us your hot takes. Give us your favorite beers. We can't wait to see uh, to see how the season unfolds. But while we're at it, go ahead and give us your um, your social media handles, Matt, Kyle, and Dal, uh, just so we can, you know, if we have actual fans, which I doubt we do, but if we have fans, they can find our work. So go ahead and do that now. And you can follow me at do underscore well Harmon. Um, please send me, but especially Connor, any of your hot preferably terribly bad and annoying takes so that Connor gets really mad. That's all I have to take away from this last segment. (laughs) Give me your bad takes. Send them, forward them to me. I'll call them out. Absolutely. Uh, I'll pass on this because I've been, now that we're, especially that we're in football season and basketball season, uh, kind of peaking, um, I've just been really cussing a lot of people out. And I don't want that awkward thing when I'd be like, hey, how's it going? They're like, you called me beepity beep beep beep. And I'd be like, yeah, about that. So, <laughs> you know what? Just like the podcast or don't. Listen or don't. But, yeah, hey, go Big Blue. Yeah, this is uh, Kyle. You can follow me on Twitter. Um, I promise I'll be nice. At uh, UK Fan Kyle. And you can follow me at Connor J. Caldwell, C-O-N-N-E-R-J Caldwell. Um, I, can't, I can't promise you I'll be nice. If you post something that's stupid, I got to call you out on it. But uh, I post stupid stuff, too, so you can call me out on that as well. So we're going to wrap things up. Have a great week. Make sure we uh, drink a lot of beer and watch a lot of basketball this week. And uh, let's go, Loyola Chicago, Sister Jean, go Ramblers, and have a great week. Is she even alive?